You know, as much as we would like to believe it, we do not live in a perfect world. There really is no such thing on earth as a perfect world. In fact, disasters and trauma and dangerous events seem to be happening on a global basis. I was watching television this morning and saw the millions and millions of children that have been evacuated and have streamed across the borders from Ukraine to other countries. And I got to thinking, so your children are now dealing with a disaster. Fill in the blank, whatever your disaster is. How do we help our children cope? How do we get our kids through a disaster and out on the other side with their mental health intact? We're going to talk about that when we come right back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the podcast. I want to talk today about natural disasters and emergencies that happen and how can our children cope? Because this is something that is going to touch our lives sooner or later. And some people that are listening can tell me that they've been through a number of disasters and traumatic events, not just one, maybe not two. Some people listening have been through 10, maybe 15 or 20 traumatic events, disasters, evacuations, maybe war, whatever it is that can cause disruption and fear and worry and concern for us is definitely going to be magnified in the responses of our children. And I've sought several sources to be sharing with you today that a lot of people in a lot of authoritative positions have given some real thought to this issue, and they have provided ways that we can reach out and find sources and resources that can help us help our children. And basically, I'm referring to children from birth through about the age of 18. And that'll break down into several different type of age-appropriate groups, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Did a little research today on the FEMA.gov site. FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency for the United States. And they produce a great deal of printed resources that you can read online or download as PDFs ways that we can help our children cope with disasters. Because, you know, a disaster creates a tremendous change in a young child's life. You think it changes your life as an adult. Just imagine the disruption that it creates for a child. You know, it's very upsetting to experience loss and destruction firsthand. And I thought about those images of some of those children on those train depot platforms from Ukraine loading up onto trains or getting into buses or vans, and all they had in their hand was a single toy or maybe a little paper bag with perhaps one change of clothes or a pair of shoes because they've had to grab and go quickly. And they're upset and they're filled with worry and uncertainty. And so there's things that we can do as parents and caregivers to help our children cope with that. We want to reassure our children that the grieving that they're experiencing is okay. It's actually rather encouraged to let them express that grieving. In fact, you want to encourage them 
to discuss the things that they're feeling, if they will discuss it. A lot of children may even have difficulty articulating what their worries and concerns are. That might be the first time they've ever experienced something like that, and it's just blown their mind so much they don't even really know how to express it. But the FEMA.gov resources has broken down children into basically three groups. And so from birth to about six years, some common responses of children in those age groups are that they're more irritable, maybe they're crying a lot more, and they need an extra amount of comfort than usual. Some children, even older, the four to six-year-olds, may resume thumb-sucking or even bedwetting as a response physically to what they're feeling emotionally. And that's a completely normal response. Don't shame them if that's happening. They can't help it. They can't even tell you why it's happening. Just try to help them understand that they can talk to you and that you're going to listen and that uh, that a grown-up or an adult is going to be with them every step of the way to the best of your ability to be able to provide. The next age group of kids breaks down from the seven-year-olds up to the 10-year-olds. And these are the age group of kids that seem a bit preoccupied about wanting to talk about the disaster continually. A lot of times it's because they fear it repeating or they have strong feelings of anger for it happening or deep grieving sadness. They may even act out. Their, their behaviors may change from the normal kid that you know to a completely unrecognizable behavior from this particular age group. And then lastly, some of them have or don't express any feelings at all. They go into a type of a mental numbness where they don't seem to be able to have any kind of expression, good, bad, or otherwise. It's kind of an emotional form of protection when they're at that age. Again, try to just get one-on-one with them and just encourage them to just begin to speak and help them know that they're safe for talking to you about what they're feeling. The next group for uh, kids would be from the 11-year-olds up to the 18s, and primarily teenagers in this group. They may start reacting to disasters by behaving with more risk-taking actions like reckless driving or suddenly discovering alcohol and drugs because they're overwhelmed and they may be unable to talk about it, but they may seek these other types of ways to kind of disappear or escape from the trauma and the grief that's happening in their lives. So we as parents and grandparents, caregivers, maybe even teachers in the school and and Sunday school teachers at church, even concerned neighbors, how do we help our own children cope when a disaster has taken place and it's been thrust upon them? What is something that we can do? Well, during this time, we can severely limit the media coverage that they're being exposed to. You know, we live in a day and age where there are literally 24-hour news stations, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You know, that is a lot of media saturation. And as all of us know, whenever a large story breaks, every news company in the world has to get reporters out on the scene, and they have to have play-by-play, moment-by-moment coverage. Well, even as adults, we can become so saturated 
to the point that we can't hear it anymore. And you can just imagine how that's magnified to a child who can't really even cope or comprehend much of what they're hearing. So do what our grandparents told us to do. Turn the TV off. Turn the computer off. Turn the tablets off. Get the devices turned off and find something else to do. It might be the time to be able to talk about what's happened, but you're in control of the conversation and the age-appropriate information that you're imparting. Also, something we can do that during a disaster or a traumatic event, the ways that we can help our children cope would be to stick to their routines. For example, if you're still able to take your children to school, take them to school. If they're still able to participate in their sport activities or their music lessons or their game activities or even getting together with friends, whatever would be a normal process for them, a normal day, keep with that routine. Make sure that you're even having meals at home if that's what you usually do, because the routine is very grounding. I think for all of us, not just the kids, but for the moms and the dads and the grandparents as well, it gives a sense of normalcy and and process that feels right in a time when everything seems wrong. And believe me, when disaster has happened, when a traumatic event has taken place, we all want to seek those levels of comfort emotionally that ground us. And those normal routines are an absolute godsend at a time like that. I can't tell you the number of times that after a disaster, many parents have gotten together and said, you know, if it wasn't for that Thursday afternoon soccer game, I don't think my son or my daughter would have gotten through this. Or, you know, if it wasn't for the school being able to be open after the tornado hit it last week, I don't know what my uh, preschooler would have done because school means so much to them. And knowing that their friends are there and that they're safe and that they were protected, it really helped get them through. So don't think little about those routines. Don't throw them out the window. In fact, try to hang on to them as tightly as you can. A third thing we can do is to make time for our children. Don't be so preoccupied with this disaster or trauma that you're not available for them emotionally or physically. Take time for them. Encourage them to talk to you about what they're feeling, what they're thinking, uh, and try to be less judgmental and a whole lot more understanding. Even if your teenager has started to delve into some risky behavior, Try to understand what happened to maybe cause them to fall into that temptation where otherwise they would not. Be gracious. Be more understanding. You know, be a parent. Keep your guidelines, but help them open up so they can talk to you so that you can get down to the root of what's really causing that kind of disruption. Ask them how they feel about their lives now that the situation has changed them. Let them know that their questions and that their worries and reactions are okay for them to express. You know, without overwhelming them, try to share what is happening now within the family or the community or their school or the the group or their friends, whatever the area is that has been affected by either a natural disaster or a man-made disaster or a traumatic event of some kind. Keep them in the loop. It really does help, particularly the older kids. Believe me, they can handle a lot more than we give them credit for. And I think there have been time and time again situations where 13 and 14-year-olds have risen to the occasion of becoming absolute heroes 
in certain events because they just had that frame of mind and they knew enough about the situation to be able to take action that really helped. So I think those types of things are very, very important. And I'm also going to share with you several other links, and they will all be in the show notes because there's several links. I was actually thrilled to find a lot of resources available for parents to use to help our kids cope when the disaster occurs. And like I said at the top of the show, don't we all wish we lived in a perfect world where no wrong, bad, horrible thing ever happened? Well, there is a world like that. It's called heaven, but it's not here on earth. Now, there's a lot of good things on earth. Don't get me wrong. Earth is great. I love being alive and life is great. But disasters happen. Trauma happens. Overwhelming, out-of-control events happen to us, and we're merely caught up in what can be there. As much as we prep for storms and dangers, they can still take place, which is why we prep, so that we can cope better when they do happen. There is a National Child Traumatic Stress Network. It's known as www.nctsn. Dot org. And this is a group that is made up of a group of professionals and doctors and psychologists, and they actually have pamphlets and printed materials called the nctsn.org slash trauma dash types natural disasters. And it gives you information about how to talk to your kids during something like this and how to help, how to help them cope. Also, the CDC.gov has some resources called Children in Disasters slash index.html. The CDC also has some printed materials. It's actually an activity book that's interactive. Now, this would be great for you to go ahead and acquire your copy so that you can make this part of your prep plan. Mark and I have many times talked about your threat assessments, your risk assessments, and making a plan. And this activity book, it's an interactive activity book, which means that parents and kids have to work it together, but it helps get the conversation started. And it gives kids really a leg up on being prepped for how to cope during disaster. And uh, it's got a pretty long link. So rather than trying to tell it to you on the radio, we're going to make sure that you have the cdc.gov link for the activity book called Coping After a Disaster. I think that's definitely going to be an item that you're going to want to have in your prep plan. The fema.gov Children in Disasters, and these are preparations for storms as well. Save the Children is a long, well-respected organization, savethechildren.org. They have some PDF files that you can download called Tips to Help Kids Cope with Disasters. And also, the American Academy of Pediatrics has a source called healthychildren.org. This helps your child cope, helps you talk to your child about disasters, and how children of different ages respond to disasters. And so that's also another source to help you as parents deal with some of the physical manifestations of fear, grief, and worry that can happen to your children and ways that you as a parent can guide them through this with love and understanding and not judgment or criticism. Because, you know, in the middle of stress, the last thing, in fact, it shouldn't even be the last thing. It shouldn't even be on your list 
as far as offering nothing but criticism and judgment and popping off and snapping at your child when they need your love and your kindness and your graciousness the most. There's uh, also a place called the SAMHSA. That stands for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Now, I realize substance abuse, I know what that means, that's alcohol and drugs, but a large part of their emphasis is mental health services. Now, we here in America have really been preaching loud and long about mental health. We're seeing evidence that a lot of people have some mental health issues, and there is a lot of help available, and this is one of the resources that they can also give you tips on helping children and youth cope with disasters and traumatic events. And they actually have PDFs that are available for parents, caregivers, teachers, uh, and they're in one-page forms, and they're really easy to read, and they've got a lot of common sense, helpful information that I think when you see it in that form, you would even want to put that in your emergency plan notebooks. I think it's a, a perfect thing to download and print off and uh, print several and share them with every young parent or a teacher that you care a lot about because that can't do anything but help, right? So they do give a lot of tips for the survivors of disaster too. See, that's another element. When I alluded to that earlier, there is a lot of us out there that have been through more than one traumatic event. And in some cases, a lot of traumatic events can happen, you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry in quick succession. And that's a lot to lay onto somebody for their emotions and their mental health if they've had to just jump from one disaster to another. Uh, there's only just so much the, the mind and the body can take before it breaks down, right? You know, so we want to be as healthy as we can. So the SAMHSA.gov site has some tips for the survivors of a disaster. And they also even have forms on how to return to your workplace. Let's say your workplace has been destroyed and it's being rebuilt. How to transition back into the workplace. There's even information for the management staff to help how to how to help their staff manage the stress of coming back to work. Something else I noticed too is that there's a lot of major cities in America. And every major city and a few moderate cities also have their own EMA, which is an emergency management agency groups. They have specific emergency plans that pertain to their area. So if you live in Los Angeles or New York or, you know, Cincinnati or Miami, Atlanta, Seattle, you know, whatever your what's your closest major city. Find out what their emergency strategies are for things like evacuation. What are the evacuation routes? What is the timetable on evacuations if you had to leave in, say, a two- or three-day period of time? And where are the places that you can go to get help and assistance after a disaster in your area has occurred? So those things can also be printed off as well. Here's the next thing, what every child should know, and this is from about the age of four years old and up. Number one, every child should know their family name, the address, and the phone number, and know where to meet in case of an emergency. Now, if a child is really too small to memorize all of those things, you can certainly write them down on an index card, clip them to the shirt, or place it in a pocket, and that way they'll have something of that information on them. They should know their family contact information. 
They should know to contact parents or uh, older brothers or sisters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, close family friend, whomever it may be, to have some sort of contact information. And again, if that child is too young to memorize that, just write that information down on a card and pin it or even sew it into their pocket. You should teach your children never to touch any wires that are lying on the ground or hanging from telephone poles after a storm, an earthquake, or something like that that would disrupt telephone poles. All of us are very curious about what we're seeing, and we have to be very careful that our curiosity doesn't lead us into abject danger. And children, they're not born knowing what the limits are. We parents have to teach them they're not to be anywhere near any of those wires where they could reach out and touch them or step on them at all, ever, period. And if at all possible, help them learn how to identify the smell of gas. We taught our daughter very, very young uh, when we were living in North Carolina what the smell of natural gas was. And she smelled it a couple of times outside and came to tell us about it. And I'm glad that she did. And whenever a child is smelling any of that type of gas, make sure that they know to find a trusted adult uh, to call 911 immediately because that's a dangerous situation. And speaking of 911, we need to teach our children how to properly use the telephone emergency service of 911. That is not a toy phone number. That's not a plaything. And that's not a number to call if you're mad at your baby brother because he took your toy. It is for a true emergency where lives may be at risk or property at risk, fire, police, ambulance. Those types of emergencies is what we call 911 for. And so also as parents and grandparents, make yourself aware of your daycare and your child's school's safety plans. Know where to pick up your kids if your daycare has had to evacuate to another location. Know where that is. Make yourself aware of that. If they have that in their handbook, make sure you have that handbook. Uh, maybe even have uh, copies downloaded onto your computer as well. Make sure that the information that you have provided to your daycare or your child's school is up to date. You know, if you enroll your child in kindergarten and uh, your life changes three or four times by the time they're in fifth or sixth grade, but you haven't updated the address or the email addresses or, you know, the contact in, or if relatives have changed, you've got to stay current. If your life is changing, your information has to change. You'd be surprised. You Well, you would be surprised how many people forget that detail. And that can be critical. If the school is trying to reach you at a particular phone number or email and you've changed both of those things and they don't know it, please don't be angry with them that they don't know it. That's on you. That is your responsibility, just like with your insurance. If your life changes, your insurance changes. And if your information changes, your daycare and your school must know what that is. Make sure, too, that your daycare or school will allow you to authorize a friend or a relative to pick up your child from school if you cannot do so. That has to be done in writing and in complete forthcoming information. You can't just expect someone to show up at the school to pick up your child if the school does not have the authorization to turn that child over to that adult and don't expect that school to do so. You've got to set that up ahead of time. 
Make sure that your child's go bag is ready and it's age appropriate. If you've got a go bag for a three-year-old, there'll be different things in there than a go bag for a nine-year-old. So make sure that the go bag for your child is up to date. Make sure there's some little toys and snacks in there some things to keep them occupied, to keep them interested, and maybe take their mind off of some fear and worry for a little while if possible. Also remember extra little water bottle, maybe some extra socks, change of underwear and clothes and shoes, and have that go bag ready to go on a moment's notice. And I'm going to leave you with this little kind of a little rhyme that I made up today, and it's how you respond teaches them how to respond. If you wig out and panic and you flail around with your hands in the air and run around like a chicken with your head cut off, then that's how you're going to teach your children how to respond in an emergency. And we as preppers are trying very, very hard to make sure that we're not the panicky one in the room. We need to keep a cool head, realize what's going on, accept the fact that it's not responsible for a natural disaster or a traumatic event that's happened to you, but you do have to respond to it. If you can keep the cool head, keep the information clear, then you're teaching your children, but showing them by behavior that you can handle some things and that you can be in control even if inside everything inside of you is screaming, you can have the soft, cool voice of calm and rationality that is needed at a time when nobody's calm and nobody's rational. Your children are looking to you because you're in control of their lives. And if you lose control, they've got nowhere to hook on because you're in control of them. So be that parent, be the cool head in the room, explain as best you can to what they can absorb for what's happening, and then act accordingly and be responsible and take it seriously. Help your children learn to be good preppers. Help them learn how to control their emotions, but also express them when the time is right. Talk to your kids. Let them talk to you. Listen to them and realize that children can cope through disaster. I mean, there's at least, uh, I don't know, 60,000 years of human history. People have been through a lot, and they've gotten through it because somebody was able to help them. Parents, that very well could be you. And realize, you're raising the parents of tomorrow for their kids. Stuff happens. Stay prepared. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.